You can also reach out via the KPEL app chat if you would like to. Just hit the little chat button in the app, whether you're listening through the app or you're at home or, or you're at, you know, in your car listening. You can reach out when you're at a full stop in the car. Reach out uh, using that little chat app. I'll be glad to respond to y'all here on the show. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have any sound effects uh, that could properly display the amount of sirens that have to be going off at Democrat headquarters right now. Uh, the Democrats are moving money out of Florida to Washington state. They're they, they've given up on Val Demings challenging Marco Rubio. They are now moving money from that race to Washington state to help Patty Murray, who is struggling in her race against a Republican. She was thought to be unbeatable in Washington state. Florida should be a swing state. Washington should be extremely safe. In the governor's races, they are pulling money out of Georgia to help bolster uh, the governors of of Nevada and Oregon. They are having to prop up Kathy Hochul in New York, uh, Tony Evers in Wisconsin. They are having to dump money into Pennsylvania, Georgia, Nevada, and Arizona in the Senate races. But now, along with that, they have to send money to Colorado and Washington. They have to be wary of what's happening around the country. They're having to move money around. Forget the polls. Forget the stats. Look at what's happening with the money here. Look at the fact that in the House races, this is what a lot, Jim Garrity at National Review uh, had it in the morning jolt today. Everybody's talking about the Senate, the red wave that's coming for the Senate, and look at how the Republicans can pick up 50, can, can get to 51, 52, even 53 race, uh, seats. Look at the House. Look at the wave coming to the House. The Democrats are moving money away from seats that Biden won by five to seven percent in order to bolster seats that Biden won by 10 or more percent. And it's not just the money. Look at the turnout in Georgia. The turnout is scaring Republicans, I mean, scaring Democrats. Republican counties are outperforming Democratic counties in Georgia. And we're seeing the same thing all over the country. When is the last time, when is the last time you saw Republicans winning the early vote? It rarely happens, but there is so much Republican enthusiasm in Louisiana that in Louisiana, Republicans are winning the early vote. In-person voting is dominating absentee voting and mail-in voting. In Lafayette, there are more Republicans voting than there are Democrats in early voting all across the state. You are seeing similar things. The Republicans are more highly motivated. Look at Joe Biden's campaign rallies. He did one in Pennsylvania. Hasn't been back. He's scrambling to get to new Mexico for a seat that should remain in Democrats hands, but they're struggling there. Vice president Harris is going to areas that are normally strong Democratic areas to campaign. They're not going to swing states because they're actually a drag on the campaigns.
why would Joe Biden have to go to New York? Why should Joe Biden, why should the president of the United States be campaigning in New York? That should be an easy Democratic win. Why should the New York governor, Kathy Hochul, be calling herself the underdog in the race, which she's doing today? She says, I'm the underdog here. You don't say that as a Democratic incumbent for governor in New York. But she's now calling herself the underdog. That is a big sign. Early voting in Florida. Republicans have surged ahead of Democrats. In Georgia, the highest turnout counties by percentage of registered voters are Republican. In Louisiana, like I said, not a swing state, but still indicative, Republicans are outpacing Democrats in early voting. In Texas, where Democrats should be well ahead in early voting, they the early voting numbers suck for Democrats. R.I.P. Beto. And here's the thing, when you look at the early voting numbers and you look at the percentage of the returns for early voters, Democrats always trend higher in the early vote results than they do in the actual elections. The actual day of election results are always a lot closer than what the early voting results typically show. And if Republicans are winning just in terms of turnout for early voting, that is a huge warning sign for Democrats. That has you, you, if you are a Democrat strategist, you are seeing these numbers and you are physically getting sick. This isn't supposed to happen. What's so interesting is that now you have the press pushing back talking about John Fetterman in a negative way. You have multiple interviews with Biden officials with the media actually asking them about that New York Times report I told you about the other day. The New York Times report about a secret deal that the Biden administration was trying to cut with Saudi Arabia. And they were pushing back hard because the Biden administration officials they were talking to would not answer the question. That's huge. And the Biden administration wasn't denying that story either. If you look at every bit of data, aside from the polls, take the polls completely out. If you look at all of the data out there, it is bad for the Democrats. But let's look at the polls. Let's look at the polls. Let's see what's out there. Data for Progress has their congressional uh, generic vote today. They have Republicans up plus four. Data for Progress is a Democratic polling firm. Rasmussen has uh, Republicans up seven. I don't trust Rasmussen. I don't. Insider Advantage has Oz up plus three in Pennsylvania. That was yesterday. Trafalgar has Adam Laxalt in Nevada up four, has Lombardo running for governor of Florida up seven. That's the Republican candidate. Uh, J.D. Vance up plus five in Ohio. That's Signal. That's a Republican firm, but they aren't, aren't as bad as like Rasmussen. The numbers are bad. They are 
bad for the Republic for the Democrats. The Hill and Emerson have a poll out and they have Kathy Hochul up plus eight. Kathy Hochul should be up in a normal year by double digits, but her numbers are tanking. And the reason is the same reason that I've been giving you inflation, economy, crime, all of these issues are dragging Democrats down across the board. 232-1542, if you want to call in, be be part of the conversation. We've got Tanya uh, chiming in from Kaplan. Americans are tired of the corruption. That's a big part of it. The Democratic Party has been in power and they've done nothing but serve their own interests and not serve the American people. That has been a very big deal. Thank you, Tanya, for the comment. Let's take a break. We'll be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. Y'all, it is extraordinarily bad for Democrats. And the numbers aren't good. Um... Decision Desk HQ, which is written by, or it it was created by a friend of mine, Brandon Finnegan. Um, Actually, when they first started, it was just a group of volunteers scraping data from uh, election sites, uh, from from Secretaries of State websites on election night. And it has grown to a massive media group. And and Brandon Finnegan, who, uh, if any of y'all have ever read Ace of Spades, it was originally Ace of Spades Decision Desk. And then it broke off, became its own thing. And Finnegan has really uh, done a good job of running this group. They are now predicting, and, and Finnegan's Finnegan will make ambitious calls, but he does so very carefully. Decision Desk has said this came out a couple hours ago, is coming out with a forecast that Republicans are favored to win control of the U.S. Senate for the first time. Since they, since Decision Desk has released their 2022 elections forecast, their model currently predicts Republicans have a 50.4% chance of control, and the mean seat projection is 51 seats to the Democrats' 49. That is Finnegan being careful. 51-49, one seat flipping. It looks like uh, the seat that they have flipping, I think, is... Uh, no, not Georgia. Uh, which one is it? Hang on. They have a couple of toss-ups. I think right now they're giving. Uh, I think they're giving Nevada the chance to flip, uh, and that's and that's that's a big one. That is a very, very uh, big prediction to come from Decision Desk, and. What's worse for the Democrats going back to the House is that the Democrats have to spend money in seats that Biden won by double digits. Races that uh, districts where Biden in 2020 won by 10 or more percentage points, Democrats are having to go spend money there. Now, Republicans have been aggressively spending money to win those seats. Meanwhile, there are Republicans in California that Democrats thought were very beatable and the Democrats haven't spent a dime against them. 
the Democrats want to keep the Republicans to winning maybe 20 to 25 seats. But it is increasingly look like they they can win 30 seats. And if they flip the Senate, you're talking about a big, big loss for the Democrats. And there are already some folks out there now saying things like, don't, you know, don't take the wrong thing away from this. Republicans don't go there. It's Democrats. It's progressives in the media who are already trying to play down any sort of mandate in this, basically saying, you know, you, the voters aren't for you. The voters are supporting you. They're just tired of Democrats. Well, they're looking for an alternative there. And, and the alternative can simply be, please put a stop to what the Democrats are doing because everything they've touched is making it worse. But now people are so freaked out about it. On a hot mic yesterday, or somebody recording it, Chuck Schumer was caught saying, the state where we're going downhill is Georgia. It's hard to believe that they will go for Herschel Walker. Now, also in that clip, which I've posted to my show notes, if you go to joecunninghamshow.substack.com, you'll find the show notes. They are absolutely free. I don't charge uh, for any subscription to that. It's just all the stuff I write, the show notes, the podcast version of the show, everything like that. But there's a 51-second clip, and part of the clip, it's Schumer saying the state where we're going downhill is Georgia. Schumer is now saying, we're going to lose Georgia. Now, in that clip, it sounds like somebody has told Schumer that Georgia, that Democrats are, are outperforming Republicans in early voting, but that does not seem to be the case. Democratic strongholds are not showing up. Republican strongholds are. What's worse in Georgia is that the African-American early vote is at like 25 to 26% right now. 25 to 26% of the black vote in Georgia has turned out for, or for early voting. That is a bad sign because they almost always are at 30% or above. They're not showing up. One other statistic that is being seen around the country is that young voters aren't showing up. Young voters were a big part of the early vote for Joe Biden in 2020. They're not going to the polls. They are depressed. They're staying home. They're not taking part in earlier absentee voting this year. Hispanic voters, as we've been saying, are voting more and more with the Republicans. They are trending that way in the polls. And the Hispanic voters that are showing up, it looks like they're casting Republican ballots. We don't know for certain. We won't know until Election Day. That's what it's looking like. The data that's out there, it's all pointing to signs of a Republican wave. And here is the bottom line on this. If you go back, you look at the polls, because I, I look at the polls to talk about the polls a lot, because that, that's data. That's data that we can look at and we can track. And I know that polls have had their problems but if you take those problems into account and you make adjustments for it, the polls are going in the direction that I'm telling you. Every one of these races, do you know what you're seeing? You're seeing the Democrats flatlining and going down. You're seeing the Republicans shooting up beyond what was expected to be their ceiling. You have Republicans that are shooting up at times that we weren't expecting. But here's the other thing. Everybody thought that the, that the Democrats got a bump over the summer. They really didn't. If you look at the data, they really didn't get that much of a bump. But you know what happened? 
the Democrat, I mean, the Republicans fell off. Democrat numbers stayed relatively in the same area. Republican numbers fell off over the summer. And now those Republican numbers are coming back and then some. That right there is a huge sign that the Democrats never really had any of that momentum they thought they would have from abortion and things like that. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we've got some other issues of the day to look at. Let's talk about the Paul Pelosi story because that's actually horrifying when you think about it. 232-1542, message on the KPL app chat. We'll be back in just a moment here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. Glad to be with you all today. You can also reach us through the KPL app. Again, thanks to Tanya earlier for reaching out through there. Uh, if you have the KPL app, uh, just hit the chat button, go to general message. You can send a message right to the show. If you don't have the KPL app, I highly, highly recommend that you download it. You can listen to all the shows on the, uh, live. You can get podcasts of our shows. All of the stories we write, everything's up there. Okay. Let's talk about the attack on Paul Pelosi. We don't have uh, too much information right now. We're still kind of getting that in. Uh, Law enforcement in San Francisco have updated us a bit. So here's what we've got. A man named David DePoppy broke into... Uh, Nancy Pelosi's home in San Francisco. Now, she's in Washington, D.C., but her husband, Paul Pelosi, was at home. Law enforcement has not commented on the security situation at the home or how the poppy got in. According to those reports, the attacker entered through a sliding door and asked, where is Nancy, where is Nancy? Police did not confirm that during a press conference they held earlier today. Paul Pelosi suffered blunt force trauma to the head, according to news reports. And Poppy is from Berkeley, not exactly known for people on the right. But despite that, journalists in the national media were very quick to jump out and say, this is all because of right wing violence. It's all about January 6th. It's all about Trump. It's all blah, 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 blah. It is very likely that this is just a mentally disturbed person. And this mentally disturbed person, whatever their grievance is, went after Nancy Pelosi at Nancy Pelosi's San Francisco home. But she was in Washington, D.C. at the time. Paul Pelosi apparently grabbed a hammer, tried to defend himself. The lunatic took it and started attacking Pelosi with it. But the need to make this political before the facts are out is why there is no trust in the media. I forget how long ago it was, but do y'all remember when a guy broke into Discovery Channel headquarters, took the employees hostage, and the media said, oh, this is some right-wing extremist who's uh, mad about climate change. No. It was a progressive lunatic who was mad that the Discovery Channel, the Weather Channel, was not doing enough to talk about, to, to affect climate change. And the media immediately dropped the story. They stopped talking about it. Do you remember? Do you remember when uh, 
Gabby Giffords, was shot in Arizona. And the media made a big thing about Sarah Palin and a, a graphic on her website that had a crosshairs on Gabby Giffords' district. And the New York Times wrote a thing that she eventually said that, that Sarah Palin sued them about, saying that this is the problem with violent political rhetoric. Turns out the person that shot Gabby Giffords was apolitical at best. At worst, they were had some socialist or Marxist tendencies based on some of the screeds that were discovered by this guy. But no political affiliation to him whatsoever. But you know who did have political affiliation? The guy that tried to assassinate Steve Scalise and other Republicans on the congressional baseball field. The guy that broke into the Family Research Center and tried to assassinate them and shoved chicken, uh, Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches in their mouths. Because the Southern Poverty Law Center called uh, the Family Research Center uh, uh, homophobic. Hate, uh, and and, and uh, called them a hate group. There are loads of times when there have been extreme progressives, high-profile cases, and the moment they do something, the moment their political affiliations are revealed, the media drops the story. And yes, there is right-wing violence too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not explaining it away. I'm not both sides it. But the high-profile ones, the high-profile ones, just as often, if not more often, are left-wing or apolitical. There are not that many high-profile right-wing extremists. And most certainly, we don't know their motives within minutes of a story breaking. Because what happened immediately after that story was all this speculation, all these reports coming out. Meanwhile, local journalists in San Francisco, in California, were saying... Yeah, this dude, this dude's been like a crazy protester for a while. Apparently he's part of some group that's like the, the Castro Naked protest, and they were an anti-war protest group. But apparently they were nude protesters. There is violent, politically-based uh, extremism on both sides. But it seems like every time the reporters come out and speculate as to what a person's motives are, they're always wrong. And that's why people don't trust them. But there's another problem with this story. And this, I think, is the deeper problem, more than just the violent political rhetoric or the accusations or anything like that. The big problem is this. Nancy Pelosi is third in line. If something should happen to Biden, Kamala Harris takes over. If something should happen to Kamala Harris, Nancy Pelosi takes over. There is either no security or incompetent security at the private home of Nancy Pelosi in San Francisco. And at no point was this security able to get a hold of a lunatic that was trying to break into her private home. That is a massive security failure. And not very many people are talking about it. They're all focused on the political aspect of it. They're all focused on the rhetoric, the whatever. The big problem is that the person who is third in line, her home was undefended and a violent attacker broke in. And nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody is stopping and saying, uh, how did this guy get in? There were questions. Police refused to answer.
That's something you have to figure out straight away. And you have to get that information out there and you have to fix that problem. Because if you don't fix that problem and something starts happening to elected officials because their security, especially the ones who are in line to the presidency, if their security isn't there, that's a major threat to the country, to the power structure of the country. That's the conversation we should be having right now. But I had to spend five minutes talking about violent political rhetoric because every national reporter in the nation decided to focus on right wing violent rhetoric as a way to explain what happened today. When it looks like this guy is a leftist lunatic, probably apolitical in terms of why they were in there. If something happens to Joe Biden or Kamala Harris, Nancy Pelosi takes over. We just found out that her home, her private home in San Francisco is undefended. Somebody with nefarious intent can clearly get inside her house, take her husband hostage, beat the crap out of him. Can get into the house, can set her up for blackmail can assassinate her if she's at home. All sorts of things can go terribly wrong, and nobody wants to talk about that because everybody wants to focus on how violent political rhetoric is destroying us. The same people who are freaking out that the guy who invented Tesla took over a social media site are now out there ignoring the real story here. The real story here is that the chain of command of the United States is under direct threat because we have incompetent security measures. How does that happen? Who has to be fired to make sure that that kind of thing doesn't happen again? Because I'm sorry. Democrat or Republican, if we find out that the Speaker of the House of Representatives does not have adequate security at a time when the political the political rhetoric is so the, the political climate is so tense, and at a time when there are these global actors that are routinely trying I mean, the, the Biden administration's Justice Department just announced they were going after Chinese spies actively working to undermine the country. There are foreign actors who are on American soil doing all sorts of things. And we just found out the Speaker of the House's home was undefended. Are you kidding me? How can this fly? How can this be allowed? Who on earth dropped the ball so hard in this that some lunatic could hop a wall, slide open a glass door and beat the crap out of the speaker of the house's husband with a hammer. That is the most horrifying aspect of this story. Prayers up to Paul Pelosi, prayers up to Nancy Pelosi, prayers to anybody who is assaulted like this. We have a crime problem, we have a political problem, and we have a national security problem now. 
and everybody continues to be focused on the wrong thing because their feelings are hurt over politics rather than focusing on the story, which is the major threat that was just un unveiled here. What in God's name is wrong with us? 232-1542, if you want to call and be part of the conversation, you can also reach out through the KPL app. We'll be back in just a moment. I will be talking about aliens next. No, I'm not talking about immigration. We'll have that more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5, KPL. All right, so it's Friday. That last segment was way too heavy. I didn't mean to get that. But it, again, it, it bothers me. Uh, one of my followers on Twitter who's listening, uh, PBC, uh, said, you know, what if the guy was on the property uh, with permission when the incident happened? That's about the only scenario that you can think of where somebody gets past security like that. Otherwise, it's a major problem. Absolutely. That's that's kind of where we're at here. But there are so many conspiracies that can that can pop up with this. It's just mind blowing that there has been such a failure here. But all right. I promised aliens, and we're going to get to them. There is a Harvard astronomer who has been looking at these high-profile, unexplained aerial phenomena, has been looking at objects that have been flying through space that are unexplained, and he did the math. Now, Mark, get your mic on. I need to ask you. I'm not a math guy, Mark, so I need to ask you something. You've been in government. You've seen numbers, so you're vaguely aware of math. Yes. How much is four quintillion? Oh, Lord. I, I do not know. That's uh, a four followed by 18 zeros. Good golly, Miss Molly. That is how many spaceships this Harvard astronomer says could be in our solar system right now. Based on the vastness of space and the likelihood of there being other life out there. Now, now, now don't get me wrong. I truly believe that, there, that the universe is simply too big and there are too many scientific variables to completely discount the existence of life on other planets. Wait, wait, wait. Whoa. Coast to coast PM. That's I where we are now. I my chair. Yeah. That's a lot, Joe. Yeah. They're just the absolute vastness of space. I, I do believe that there is some sort of intelligent life out there. And to quote, uh, to quote what, what was it? Uh, the meaning of life, uh, Monty Python. Uh, pray that there's intelligent life somewhere up in space because there's bugger all down here on Earth from the, I think it was the Galaxy song. But that is a lot. Four quintillion. And that's the low estimate. That's the low estimate of how many spaceships could be at any point in our solar system. And the thing is, we're getting better at detecting these sorts of things. That's why we're aware of them. Uh, the Pentagon released... Uh, some video they, they've released in the past video uh declassified video of these you they're not they're not called ufos anymore they're uaps unexplained uh uh aerial phenomena and they released declassified videos and and they just cannot they they move in impossible ways based on the technology available at present they move in impossible ways and so it has people very confused as to what they could be and now NASA's put together a team to try to, to, to come up with some theories to look into these sorts of things. Meanwhile, a Harvard astronomer says, yeah, the, the galaxy's absolutely populated with tourists. I wonder what the basin bridge of the solar system would be. Is that the asteroid belt? 
It's got to be. Might be a black hole. Might be a black hole. No, that that's that seems. Never mind. I, that I'd be mean there, uh, Cameron. Anyway, uh, but yeah, that is it. It, it just kind of blew my mind. So I had to I had to share the story. It's on KPL nine six five dot com. Um, it absolutely blew my mind that that would be uh, possible, or that frankly somebody would think about it. But the whole alien thing fascinates me, not just because of the. Uh, of the, hey, other life out there sort of thing, but also just, like, the theories and the stuff. I mean, it's almost Halloween, and that's one of the spooky things out there is, like, the other life type thing, you know, you know what else is out there, the fear of the unknown, the unexplained, that sort of thing. But speaking of the unknown and unexplained, um, are you guys aware of the TikTok personality stale cracker? The TikTok celebrity with millions of social media followers... Um, been featured on major sites like Tasty, BuzzFeed, Delish, Mashed, all these food websites. Uh, post videos. Uh, the the most famous ones are are cooking, you know, Cajun dishes. Has catchphrases like "That's money, dude," that sort of thing. Well, Stale Cracker is actually a Louisiana State Police law enforcement officer named Justin Chassel. And there's a problem. Chassel was on a boat being driven by uh, Brian Nolan when it crashed into another vessel in Assumption Parish. Investigators say Nolan and Chassel fled the scene, but were intercepted by authorities while trying to get away. Uh, WBRZ confirmed that stale cracker never called for help or reported the wreck after it happened. <sighs> Oh boy. Louisiana State Police acting a little bit above the law. We're not too far removed uh, from we're not too far removed from uh, Colonel Lamar Davis of the State Police uh, you know with the special treatment uh, after he was caught driving 90 miles an hour across the Basin Bridge uh, you know how I went over through that thing yesterday about, you know, we need to support law enforcement because they are good. They're just bad actors. These are some of the bad actors, it looks like. Which is unfortunate because, again, it just undermines law enforcement at a time where we really need law enforcement to be on the ball. Just like it undermines the security situation in San Francisco of Nancy Pelosi's husband does not have basic security to stop a lunatic from breaking in. Oh my gosh. What what happened? What happened to Louisiana State Police? I mean, yeah, there's the jokes about corruption from the top down always in Louisiana history. That's just a given. But at some point, I guess whoever the next governor is will have to, you know, get a hold of that organization personally and do something there because man, this is crazy. A Louisiana State Trooper famous on social media is in trouble for a hit and run with a boat. If that's not the most Louisiana thing you've ever heard, it's got to be up there. All right, we're getting ready to wrap up. So, unfortunately, not a great night for the Cajuns last night. LSU's off this weekend. The Saints have the Raiders coming up. If you heard me on Acadiana's Morning News this morning, I'm excited for a lot of games this weekend, though. 
Penn State, Ohio State, Florida, Georgia. Uh, I think there's a lot of, of great ones to watch and really excited to see. Plus, Halloween's also coming up. And although I am a conservative who believes that taxation is theft, it's also candy tax season, parents. Make sure you get the good stuff from your kids. All right, let's take a weekend break. We'll be back here on Halloween on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Sign up for the newsletter, JoeCunninghamShow.substack.com. Talk to you guys again real soon. Shannon is offsides next here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.